Well, hey, we are in God's presence, amen? amen. I'll tell you, I grew up in the church. Uh, some of you may have, and some of you may not have, but I, I can remember as a kid hearing that song uh, and, and not really getting it, not really understanding it, if I'm honest. I, I knew that God was bigger, but it didn't really connect in a way that made sense to me. And a couple weeks ago, I heard that song again somewhere, and I just felt so strongly what it actually means, that, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we face, this isn't about religion, it's not about, you know, the, these things that sometimes we make it a routine, right? We come to church, and we sing a couple songs, and we go home. No, this is about a relationship with Almighty God, who is greater than anything then we face who wants a relationship with us. I'll tell you, when we go vertical, I'm starting to learn more and more how, what a blessing that really is. We're blessed, church. We got to celebrate Eleanor on the front end. Come on. I, I'll be honest. She is the OG, right? She's been around forever. Some of you need to translate what that means maybe for Eleanor, but she has been living and leading. Yeah, she found Christ at 50, but did you catch it? She's 98. And her heart is that, that light, which symbolizes, which it's on, the, on, it's on today, by the way. That light symbolizes that somebody entered into a relationship with our God. That's what our heart is, right? We are so glad you are here today, whether you're online or in person. If you're online, just let our host know right now, drop a comment where you're watching from, and maybe a light bulb, because we're praying that the light goes on in your life this week. But for us in this room, I want to pray, and I want to invite God into what we're about to do, because as we get into his word, I believe he has something to say to each of us. Can I get an amen? amen. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you, God, that you are worthy of our praise and worship, and we exalt you above everything else. Father, as we turn to your word, uh, there's nothing I can deliver of, of substance that, that matters. It's you. It's you in me. So Holy Spirit, have your way. May your word go forth and accomplish the purpose for which you want to send it today. God, I pray if there's anybody online or in person that maybe is struggling or hasn't really entered into yet that relationship with you, may today be the day. May they know that, Jesus, you're welcoming them with arms wide open. God, we love you and we praise you. We exalt you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. So we're in this series, as you saw in that video, called We Are One, and we're looking at what does the book of Ephesians, it's in the New Testament, a guy named Paul wrote it, he wrote it from a prison cell in Rome to a church uh, that had been a few years old and was dealing with a lot of things that were happening around them in their city. Ephesus at that time was a port city, a, a city that, that because of its access to water and commerce was very uh, prosperous. It was very diverse. It was actually quite pluralistic as well. It had many different religions and, and God's little g, false gods present. 
Uh, in fact, within that city, I've mentioned this a couple times in the series, there was a, a temple to the goddess, our uh, Diana or Artemis, as some would call her. This was one of the seventh wonders of the world. It was a place where they would sell trinkets, idols, to worship this goddess. She was the goddess of fertility. And, and so you can imagine that even sexual prom- promise, oh, I can't say the word right now, promiscuity uh, was actually a part of what was happening within this worship at this temple, but also was prevalent throughout the community. So so this guy, Paul, writes this letter to this church to remind them of their identity, of who they are, that in fact, when they come into a relationship with Jesus, they're no longer alone, that he's with them, that he's gifted them, that he's filled them with the Spirit, that he's also placed others around this new family, these brothers and sisters that may not look like each other, but because of the commonality in Jesus, remember, when we come to the foot of the cross, it is the most level ground. That's where we find Jesus. And so he's writing to them and saying, listen, you're not alone anymore. God is with you. You have a family. You have an inheritance. And you have a purpose. And by the way, you're going to live that out, walk it out in the middle of a lot of chaos and craziness. And when we get into this book, I hope you've been reading it this summer over and over, if you're a regular, because it is so contemporary. It has so much to say with so many of the challenges that we're facing today. Today, we're looking at the idea of walking in it. Can you say that with me? Walking in it. Okay, and we're going to look at what is it. And what Paul begins with is this walking in an imitation of God and who he is. Because there's a lot of imposters. There's a lot of things around us that are fake, just like they face, that are trying to pull us into copying it versus copying what God has. I, growing up, I loved to, to just watch comedians, and, and one of the things I, I loved was a good impersonator. Anybody else? Like, oh, I love good impersonations, and, and uh, I won't name people because you might, oh, how could you watch, you know, but, but you know, not every comedian's clean, right? But, but they, some of the impersonations that you could find were just amazing, and, and I always tried to like do it, but I never could do it. And I realized over time it was because I was looking, well, one, I didn't have the talent, but two, I, I was looking at the comedian, not at the real thing. I was looking at the fake, not at the real thing. Maybe you've met a, a lookalike or a celebrity and been let down. <laughs> My brother and I, for years, people have said, I, I look a little bit like Matt Damon, uh, I, I'm the, the bigger version, I guess. And uh, others have said my brother looks like uh, Mark Wahlberg. And, and so uh, a few years ago, about three years ago, we were in Gulf Shores uh, vacationing the, our two families. And we noticed in the grocery store, we were in there about 11 at night, uh, dumb and dumber shopping. That's basically what was happening. And uh, as we're, <laughs> we're grocery shopping, suddenly two carts are overfilled. And it was ridiculous how many things we bought and, and what we bought and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And, and we noticed this one lady that kept following us around the store. And, and it started at one point, like, you ever notice, like, somebody's watching you, and then they keep watching you, and, and at some point, you're like, okay, now it's getting a little creepy, like, stalkerish kind of thing. And, and so there was this moment where she actually approached us, and, and she says, hey, hey, and I'm going, uh-oh, like, what's happening? And she said, hey, you're, you guys aren't really them, are you? You're not really them, are you? And, and we're like, no, no, I'm so sorry to let you down. Uh, no, we are not and she said who she thought we were, right? 
Well, here's the thing. Some of us are running around imitating things that aren't the real thing, following things that aren't the real thing. And Paul's admonition here in the first couple verses, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians 5, is to help them to look vertical again, to help them see who they are in the midst of the chaos, to quit following around the imitations and to copy the real thing. Verse 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice for God. So if you're taking notes, the first point is walking in it means walking in love. That that we would be a people that are walking in love. Paul is saying, listen, you need to imitate God. And by the way, remember what God did for you. That that God, in fact, laid down his life. The word there in verse 2 is this word agape, which means sacrificial, surrendered love. A love that's willing to walk it out, to do the hard things, to lay down, in Jesus' case, his life for us. And when we begin to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done and that love, it makes sense why we would then want to copy or imitate him. Do you remember that moment where love really began to motivate you? Maybe you're in a relationship and that person's sitting next to you, or maybe that person has since moved on and you've lost them, but you can remember that moment where love really started. You know, for me, in June of 2000, there was a moment been married now for 20 years this year, and uh, my wife Cindy is amazing, and I can remember that moment. She would tell you that her problem with me at the time was I, I, would, be, I would become the first Christian guy that she had ever dated as she came to faith, and so she didn't necessarily trust guys, but she also saw during that time period that I seemed to have my eye on a number of Christian girls. Love you, honey. <laughs> and so the difference between her and all these others that were around was so real. And I remember the moment it happened. We, we had played tennis in June. It was 85 degrees in Michigan, which is amazing. It's an anomaly. It's a gift. And, and we had a great time. We played a couple hours of tennis with uh, her twin and her uh, husband, and, and after a couple hours of tennis, we come off the court, and they said, hey, we're going to run this marathon in the fall in Chicago, and, and we're going to run together, we're going to train together, we're going to, you know, spend time together, and, and at that point, a spark had been lit, a fire had been put in me, where I understood that whatever it takes, I will walk this out, I got to get to know this girl, and they said, do you want to run the marathon with us? Now, here's a guy that played football. Okay, you're looking at me and going, that dude run a marathon? I actually did, because love got me, all right? And I said, how far are you running today? And they said, eight miles. And I said, "Uh, I've never done more than like three in my life, but okay, I'll go home, and if I can do it on my own, I'll call you and I'll sign up for the marathon. Well, guys, I ran the marathon and got the girl, okay? (laughs) I went out after two and a half hours of tennis in 80 degree heat, and I ran it out, I walked it out, whatever I needed to do to make sure I could say yes to that marathon, I did that day. My roommates thought I was crazy. 
But there was something that love was beginning to do. A spark had been lit. And I knew I had just encountered the real thing. That she wasn't imitating her faith. That her heart was surrendered to the Lord. She stood head and shoulders at five foot two above any Christian woman I had ever met. There's a difference between the imitation and the real thing. Now, you want to hear the funny part when I called them after running the eight miles? And I said, hey, how'd it go? I was so excited, right? They're like, oh, we ordered pizza and rented movies. It's too hot. (laughs) Part of what I learned in that moment is they were imitation runners, too. (laughs) So... (laughs) What is an imitation? When he says to imitate God, to imitate the real thing, what is, what is Paul getting at? Here's the definition uh, of imitation. It's the action of using someone or something as a model. Second thing is it's a thing intended to stimulate or simulate, I'm sorry, a copy of something else. That it's meant to simulate a copy of something else. So, so the, what Paul is saying is, listen, you need to look to God and act and imitate God, not the world around you. That word agape is so important, again, because it's a love that you're not going to find in the world. In fact, the word agape was developed during the New Testament times to describe the love that they saw flowing from Jesus, this love that was sacrificial and surrendered, that would do whatever it took to love another person. We as a church have a new mission statement since I've arrived over the last few months. And it's really simple. We got back to the basics, right? We just are doing what Jesus said, to love God and love all people in our pathway. That's our mission. And and I just want to encourage you and remind you, those that are imitating God, those that have been impacted by his love, God is calling us to go out and to walk in that love to those around us. Our world desperately needs the real thing right now, desperately needs the love that Jesus offers. And so just a reminder for those of you that are present in person, we have these Love 100 kits. We've restocked them. They're at the Hub and the Welcome Center. And we would love for you to pick these up. These are a tool, a tool for you to say, I'm going to go love my neighbor. I'm going to invite them to know this Jesus and to share that love. Now, as we go further into this text, you're going to see that not only is it walking in it love, but it's walking in it, which is the light. And that's what Paul gets into next. These next few verses, he, he deals with darkness and light. He deals with the fact that we live in a dark, sinful world. And at times, that world is inviting us to copy it. And sometimes that darkness is coming out of us versus the light that was intended to come out of us. Can we get real? Okay. (laughs) Verse three, because I will either way. Some of you already know that. So you're like, yeah, I don't need to respond. Uh, (laughs) All right, verse three. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words. Again, Paul's saying, listen, you're going to be tempted by all these things around you, sexual impurity, idols, things. And what is an idol? It's anything that takes the first and rightful place that God is meant to have in our heart. You're going to be tempted to put money and career and relationships, all of these things in front of God. And he's saying, no, you're meant for more. You're created for more. He goes on, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. This is really important here to understand that that part of Our role is to walk in that agape love. As we imitate Christ, we're bringing the light, his light into our world. And you need to know that that darkness has never defeated light in human history. It's not rocket science, you guys. What happens when you turn a light on? The darkness goes away. Light always wins. And so what Paul is trying to help us to see is, listen, there's all this darkness around you and maybe even some darkness in your own life that you're still dealing with. But through Jesus and his light, you have the victory. And he's not saying that we can no longer be around darkness because that, if that was true, Jesus would have evac'd us, right? Hey, I believe in Jesus, up to heaven. That's not what he's saying because he also said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, that, that you and I are the salt and light of the earth. So what he's getting at here in that verse is to not partner with darkness. You see, we can be present and around things for a moment and help shine the light that's in us. And that causes the darkness to adjust. Did you ever notice that, that that's what Jesus did? Jesus would show up in rooms with people And they'd be like, how could you hang out with those sinners, those tax collectors in that day and age? How could you be around these people? It was because they didn't change him, he changed them. He was the influencer, not the influencee. That's who we're to be. But we're not to partner with darkness. Verse 9. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Hello, American culture. Hello, what has infiltrated Jesus' church. Church, and I'll just say this, if you're online or you're in person and you're either new to church or you're returning to church after a while, this this part really isn't necessarily for you because the chances are you have seen the hypocrisy of Christians and that's left you a little bit hurt and it's left you a little bit wondering if, if it's even worth it. Those of you in the room that are believers following Jesus, that are a part of his church, we have to hear something like this and take it to heart. Because part of our witness is how we live. And part of why others aren't believing in the light is they're not seeing it in and through us. They're seeing something else out of us that we're talking like the world's talking. We're participating in the things the world is doing. 
They should see a difference in us, church. They should see Jesus' light and love in and through us. That's what Paul is getting at here. Verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. In those first few verses, verse 3 and 4, Paul is saying that we shouldn't be partnering with impurity, idolatry, that these aren't our inheritance. And he, did you catch the word that he did use? He said to give thanksgiving. Not just on November, whatever the fourth Thursday happens to land on, but to do it regularly, to give thanks for the gifts God has given us. And it's interesting in there that, that actually he's talking about sexual impurity. That, that part of what he's alluding to is, listen, maybe you need to come back to the fact that God actually, and, and remember, they're in a fallen world just like us that are surrounded by sexual impurity. Things that, that would blow your mind if you knew what was happening in Ephesus when he wrote this. But, but what he's saying is, listen, God designed sex. Oh, I got your attention there. Some of you just woke up. Awake, oh sleeper, Right? <laughs> God designed sex between a man and a woman in marriage. And he designed it as a gift that we would be able to enjoy that. And it's part of how we procreate, right? And what he's saying is to give thanks for that, but to not violate it, to not make it impure, to not make it something it wasn't intended to be. Let me read to you what John Stott, a fairly well-known contemporary theologian and pastor says. He says, the reason why Christians should dislike and avoid vulgarity, which is what Paul is talking about, is not because we have a warped view of sex and either ashamed or afraid of it, but because we have a high and holy view of it as being in its right place. That God's good gift, which we do not want to see cheapened, that all God's gifts, including sex, are subjects for thanksgiving rather than for joking. To joke about them is bound to degrade them. To thank God for them is a way to preserve their worth as the blessings of a loving creator. Y'all, that is deep. Screenshot that one, right? He's saying, listen, we need to understand what it means to not get caught up in degrading the gifts that God has given us, but to be thankful. Part of then living in light is, is understanding that as we live in Jesus' light, as we grow with Jesus, the light is going to shine through us. And it's going to change your relationships in positive ways. It's going to show people not, here's what I believe, but here's also how I live. Living in the light as children of light means that it's more than just our ability to say all the right things. Because many times, some of us have been around church and, and even Christianity long enough that we know what to say. I think what Paul's getting at is it's more than that. Living as a ch child of the light. Are you living in such a way? Are we living in such a way that others see our life and they go, there's something different about them? 
before you even tell them what it is. That's convicting, isn't it? That, that actually when you leave here, no one on Monday or Tuesday in your workplace or your neighborhood cares if you attended. They care how you live. Oh, church. If we show up here, but we don't show up out there as the light, we're missing the point. It's another modern contemporary theologian, N.T. Wright, that writes this about this idea of living in the light. He says, those who have become light have formerly been darkness. We must behave as light bearers in God's world. Once again, this will mean learning to think straight. Don't go with the flow. Think out who God is, who you are, and learn to live in the light of God and his love. When you think about what that might mean, Part of what I think we have to be willing to do is to also admit the areas of darkness in our life. Because how many people have quit believing or don't believe, not just because of our witness, but because of we forgot where we came from? Anybody else in here a sinner? Anybody else in here still in progress? Raise a hand online, let me see you. You see, I think what sometimes happens is God's love and light can begin moving in us. And then we start interacting with people and we forget to tell them how we got there. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's religiosity. I don't know what it is, but it's often that we forget where we came from. And, and I just want to tell you that I believe that if we're real and we're authentic and honest and vulnerable, that your story and how you're overcoming darkness, how you're beginning to walk in the light, that, not the, that yes, the light will show them something different, but when you get honest with, yeah, I used to deal with pornography, well, it got quiet. Yeah, I used to have an addiction. Yeah, I still struggle with alcohol or foul language or drug addiction, whatever it might be. When we begin to get honest about what the light is doing, that's when we find freedom and others will begin to find freedom too. Church, I want to invite us to really live in the light, but to not also forget how we got there. Because there is a world that I think if they see how real and honest and open we are, whether we're 98 or 28 or 8, it's going to make in a tremendous difference. We need to walk in it. Amen? Now he goes on here in the next few verses, walking in love, walking in light, and then walking in wisdom. Look at verse 15 through 17. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's a couple of things that stand out here as far as Paul saying to walk in wisdom. You know, God is throughout scripture seen as a voice of 
and, and as the embodiment of truth and wisdom. That's what the entire book of Proverbs are. So, so if you're living real foolish right now, like there's 31 Proverbs, there's 31 days in most months, or a lot of months, start reading the book of Proverbs, okay? Like God is there to give us help through his word, and there is wisdom in God. And sometimes we're making foolish mistakes and decisions and things that, that God's looking and go, would you just ask me? In the book of James, how much, it says, how much more will I give you wisdom if you ask? That's my paraphrase. The assumption Paul is making here around wisdom, if we're going to walk in it, he's assuming two primary things. One is that we are wise. So if we're a believer in Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in us, he's assuming that we are wise. And second, that our wisdom is for practical living. That actually God has wisdom that will help you to figure out how to handle that budget, whether it's at work or at home. That God actually has wisdom that applies in all of life. And, and Paul's saying, listen, you need to walk in the wisdom that is available to you and that God has for you. He also there says, underneath wisdom, that wisdom recognizes that we need to be good stewards with the time we have been given. That, that actually the time is urgent. We're in the last days. We don't know when Jesus is returning, but since he ascended, we know we're living in light of his return. Jesus is coming back, y'all. And, and what Paul is trying to say is, listen, we don't know when, but we need to be stewards of the life and the wisdom and the time he's given us, there should be some sense of urgency. Some sense of, I'm just not waiting, I'm leveraging my life and walking in wisdom. That there's an urgency around how we live, and how we love, and how we share God with others. Because we don't want anyone else to be stuck in darkness. We don't want anyone else to be stuck and bound in darkness and away from God. We want people to know Jesus, don't we, church? He's saying there should be some sense of recognition that, listen, time is a gift. Do you know that the most valuable asset we have outside of life itself, it's not your bank account. What's the only thing that's non-renewable? Time. Time. It's the most valuable thing any of us have. And I just wonder if some of us need a little less Netflix, a little less news, a little less movies, a little less, I hate to say it, going to the beach. I love the beach. But maybe there's some things where God's saying, hey, I want to give you wisdom and I want you to realize that there's a little bit of urgency to living for me and to sharing me with others. And I want you to look at how you're using your time so that you're a better steward of it. You're not just wasting time. Then he says with that, that we would recognize God's will, that we would do God's will. You know, God has a revealed will. Love God, love people, make disciples. There's things in scripture that apply to all of us. But there's also God's unique design and will for your life. And as we walk with Jesus, as we walk in wisdom, he shows us what those decisions are, what those next steps might be. 
In Romans chapter 12, there's two verses that apply here really well for understanding God's will. If you're taking notes, you may want to write them down. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So life is no longer about us. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we surrender to the Lord. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's how we worship. And then it says, through that process, God begins renewing your mind. Some of us need some mind renewal in God's word. We need God to renew our minds so we recognize the moments where God says, this is my will. This is the decision you're to make. Do you know how many mistakes we would save ourselves from if we would just walk and live that out? Some of my seasoned followers of Jesus, can I get an amen? Like, hello, church. It's August 1st. You're alive, you're here. And God's got something to say. So love, light, and wisdom. And the last part is probably the piece that I think Paul then sums it up so well, but it's, I, I want to break it down for us in these last few minutes. Because what Paul says is to walking in it, right? Walking in love, in light, and in wisdom. He then talks about the Holy Spirit. And, and it's almost like Paul knows, listen, I know, I'm in prison, Paul, Paul the writer, I'm in prison. You're in a place where sin is all around you. Darkness and chaos is all around you. You don't have a great you know, church building to go to and, and, and some of the freedoms that we are afforded today. And, and so it's almost like Paul says, I know this is going to be difficult and hard, but, but guess what? You don't have to do it on your own. I want to remind you that Jesus left us the Holy Spirit, and that that Spirit is meant to fill you and empower you every day so you can live differently. Verse 18, let's look at it. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled, say filled, filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting, say submitting. Amen. Yeah, we don't like saying that word, do we? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul is talking in these verses about something that's only possible if we're really in step with the Spirit, if we're filled with the Spirit of God. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 13, he, he told us and reminded us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, verse 30, he reminded us, listen, when we get off track, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And here, in verse 18, what he's saying is, listen, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This be, filling is an active, ongoing word. It's not the one-time gift of the Spirit at salvation. It's this ongoing reality that you have a flesh that wars against the Spirit. And Paul's saying every day we need to be filled with more of the Spirit so that Jesus is in control 
and not us. When it says do not get drunk on wine, what do we know alcohol to be? We call it a spirit, right? And it removes our inhibitions because it fills us with something that then takes control in a different way. It's also a depressant. What Paul is describing here is, listen, and and to be clear, Jesus' first miracle was performed with wine. This isn't an admonition. It's not saying don't drink. It's saying don't get drunk. Do you see the difference? And, And the reason is because the Holy Spirit, as Paul is describing it here, is describing it not as a depressant that takes control and causes you to make unwise decisions, but because when the Spirit fills you, it's a stimulant that actually takes control and helps you to make wise decisions. So let me break this down for you, these four things here that he says are the effects of being filled. The first one is community. He he says to one another that there's this fellowship. The Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Spirit, it isn't just for us. It actually allows us to function in community and fellowship with each other better. This is often why we have problems, is we're not filled with the Spirit. We act in our flesh, and we hurt other people. Hello. All right, y'all are done. I'll finish up soon. (laughs) I'm seriously okay. I'm going to go take us through this. The second one of being filled with the Spirit is worship. He he says to sing psalms and spiritual songs and hymns. I'll I'll tell you the truth. never Never allow my mic to be turned on when I sing. Okay, but I'm a worshiper. I worship in spirit and truth and and worship. We need to understand this is not entertainment. Worship is about magnifying God and getting our eyes off ourselves and our problems to say, even because even though this is happening, even though this is going on, he is worthy of worship. And when we're filled with the spirit, we can't help but worship. It also says then that we're willing to give thanks. We're willing to recognize that, yeah, everything may not be perfect in my life, but there are some things worth giving thanks. In verse 21, it said to mutually submit to one another. I got the same flesh you have, right? We don't want to submit to anything. But when we submit to the Lord and we're filled with the Spirit, we're able to begin submitting to one another in the ways that God says, listen, I need you to submit to them because I want to do something through their life that you need to experience. So as we think through all of this, my question for you today, the thing that I'm hopeful of is that we would say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to walk in it. I'm ready to walk in your love, in your light. I'm ready to walk in wisdom. And for some of you that may be that you need to make a decision today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe it's a return today to say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. For some of you, you've done that. But the issue is you need the help of the Holy Spirit. That, that actually walking in and being filled with the Spirit is what's going to allow you to really live in the light to live in love, to live in wisdom. And so wherever you're at in that, 
Here's my three questions, very simple today. Next steps. How is God speaking to you today? Between you and him. What is God showing you? What is he saying? Secondly, what are you going to do about it? That's half the battle, right? Is not just knowing what we need to do, but actually doing it. What are you going to do? And then the third is, how can we help? And you need to know as we go to worship here in a minute and singing, that they're prayer partners. We have a kneeling bench on either side. If you're online with us, we have a chat host ready and able. If you need prayer, if there's anything we can help with, these spaces right now are open. But that's God's word for us today, is to walk in it. His love, his light, his wisdom, and then to walk in the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is new to you as somebody that you actually walk in, let me encourage you to just lean in and to know there's space and grace to learn and grow. We don't have to do this alone, church. We get to do it together and with him. If you'll stand, I want to pray over you. And then we're going to sing. You can come forward to the benches if you'd like prayer. You know what God is showing you and saying today. And this is the moment where we move from spectator to participant to say, yes, God, I'm yours. So Jesus, we love you and praise you. We thank you for the opportunity today to worship you, to be in your word. And we want to walk in it. We want to walk in your love, your light, and your wisdom. Father, we can't do it apart from you. We need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. So right now, Lord, whether it's somebody who maybe is making a first-time decision for you, I pray that they would step forward and receive you. If it's somebody who's recommitting to you, returning to you, may they step forward. And if it's somebody who's saying, I just need more, I need to be filled with the Spirit, I've been doing it on my own, I need Jesus to take control. I pray that this would be that moment. Father, we love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory and the honor. Have your way during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
God is so good, isn't he? He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all honor. I just feel so strongly that God is inviting us into the light in new ways. And we're so glad you're here and a part of that. There's something that God is doing and stirring. And maybe you've made a decision, whether it's a first time or a recommitment or even to say, I I need more of the spirit in my life. We'd love to hear from you. If you're online, let our hosts know. If you're here in person, we'll stay up here and available. I will and, and others to pray with you or to talk with you. If you're a guest, come to our welcome center out these doors. We have a gift for you. But my prayer, my hope, my heart is that none of us leave the same way we came in. And that with that, you have a chance to connect with somebody if you're here in person before you leave and to just share what God is doing. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and praise you. You have been present throughout this service. And God, as we get ready to go and to love you and love all people in our pathway, we're going in your spirit. We're going together. We aren't alone. God, we thank you for the gift that that is. I pray that we would walk in it, that we would walk in you this week, that people would see that you are real, you are alive, and you are active because we will be real with what you've done for us. Jesus, we love you. Be with each person that's present online or in person. Go with them, bless them, give them favor and the ability to share your story for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.